0: Betches Media presents Donald Trump was a, a stain on our country and someone's daughter,
1: too. That's what I'm So said.
0: help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Sup Podcast.
1: Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage.
2: I'm Brian Russell Smith.
1: And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Happy Monday. Do we have a case of the Mondays today?
3: Absolutely. The weather's not
1: helping, although who cares about the weather?
3: This is a podcast and not everyone lives in New York. That's true.
1: <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Harsh on yourself. Yeah.
3: Well, and maybe maybe you're
2: projecting towards some other podcasters right now. How did you hear someone talk about their location and were like, how dare they?
3: No, I actually haven't <laughs> listened to any podcasts this morning.
1: I'm... Um,
2: No, because I do that too.
1: You've just been scrolling the gram. What about Mm -hmm. you guys? Uh, I got up, I I literally went to bed at 9.30 last night. So I woke up at 5.30. So I've just been, I've just been here. I feel like I'm, I'm like ready for my afternoon snack.
2: Yeah.
3: (laughs) It's
1: 11. (gasps) It's 11. It is 11 a.m. So uh, first of all, to start off, I think last Wednesday or Thursday, we asked our listeners for some feedback about just how they listen to the show and what they want from it in the future just to help us for planning. And I got so many messages that were like way kinder and generous than I even expected to, like in addition to telling us why you wanted to keep it daily or not, you told us why. And um, it was super helpful. A lot of the feedback was great. I got really specific feedback about, you know, how to make the episodes more productive for you day to day if we continue doing that. Um, And, yeah, I think there's we we got a lot of intel to have some – get started on some really exciting plans for the future, I think.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We are very excited. We
3: love the future. Um, <laughs> we hope that there's less carbon in the air in the
1: future. Mm-hmm. Though, so. We do. We do. I heard there's a fifth ocean. Oh, that's yeah, so there's a fifth ocean.
3: Yeah, the the, in the National Geographic declared that there is now a fifth ocean. It's called the Southern Ocean. Um, apparently, scientists have, like, already – been like operating under the idea that there's five oceans they just haven't let anybody know yet until recently Mm -hmm. um but it's apparently a very important ocean because it regulates the climate which you know again Future. Future. <laughs> the
1: ocean. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So before we get started on today's show, I feel like, I feel like I say this every weekend, but especially this weekend felt like real normal vibes people. I mm-hmm. was in a crowd. It was, it was mm-hmm. intense. So based on that, I'm curious, what is the habit that you formed during the pandemic or practice that we all had to start doing during the pandemic that you're finding it hardest to get rid of or stop doing, or just get rid of the impulse? What, what can't you let go yet?
3: I think that, I actually think it's not necessarily like one thing, but it's that my life is so much more home-based now, whereas my life used to be out-based. Like I would leave the house in the morning every day and then mostly, and then come home later. And it Mm -hmm. wouldn't be such like a crazy thing to do, like to go to multiple destinations in one day. (laughs) And now my life is so much more home-based with like the out
1: being the you know, yeah. less common thing. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way and that like social distancing was that was part of that practice and like part of how we scheduled our lives and it's very strange to like plan without that I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. like I can't stop social distancing <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> I'm more like focused on trying not to do things that I did before the pandemic that I Ooh. realized I didn't like about that I used to do, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like what's an example, like saying no to everything. Like I literally would never like call people or like go places, I, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> I
0: feel and that. also
2: I, you know, like going out in social settings and then like finding like only one person to talk to and standing on the side. That's another thing that I would do a lot. And or like standing outside or something while everyone's inside. Like yeah. I need to like, I want to be like, <laughs> I need to talk to multiple people and make my, make rounds. I need to be more I'm trying to be a social person that I wasn't
3: before. Right. It still doesn't feel totally normal yet. Like even yeah. if you know you're doing a normal thing and you're like engaged in normal life for like several hours at a time, there's still this like lingering mm-hmm. I can't explain it. Like my body knows that it just went through something for yeah. yeah. Like totally. and, and that's still that there's like this it's like almost an anchor that's sort of like having an anchor on my joy. I can't explain no, it, it. does. It feels like one of those yeah. like it
1: feels like it's tied around our ankles. It's like every time you try to run, its sort of like it pulls you back. and it's not a rational thing. It's just like it's a psychic thing just like oh no, not yet. not yet. well, that's I think not like right. your,
3: I think your body knows that it um stayed home for a year yeah. right
1: and and, and that and it like, was da- and that was out of self-preservation danger. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. and it's and it's much easier to develop habits versus breaking habits so we've all have these new habits from the past year and it's even like like I, I i've been to two events now where they've only allowed uh people who have been vaccinated um and they're packed you know and yeah. people are everywhere maskless and it's like it is you're in and out of it it's like oh this is fine oh this is weird yeah, oh this is right. fun Just oh this out. is weird. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and it's, it's not right. always like the ways you're in and out are not always rational. Like I went to a wedding this weekend where you had to be vaccinated to go. And it was you would see people, you know, everybody goes on the school on the shuttle with their mask and then they take it down to talk and they put it up for a second. It's like none of that is actually protecting you. And then people would. Mm-hmm. I noticed that, like, everybody was dancing in big crowds, but people were still socializing in very, like, small groups with people they already knew. So it's like you can get swept up in a moment, but but. I, the way that we're doing it, like nobody was doing anything rational to protect themselves, but it was all just instinct. Yeah, right. there's also, okay, this is this is I think, the feeling that
3: that is now here. There's while you're doing something normal, you do remember like, oh, this there was a time when I couldn't do this that you that never. You never when you went to like a concert or a wedding were you like could you imagine a world where that would not be possible. Mm -hmm. And now when you when I do those things, I feel like, oh my God, like this isn't always possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's weird. That's that's, for that reason everything is really trippy and exhausting.
3: Yeah. Yes.
1: Trippy and exhausting. Put that on a shirt.
2: Trippy and exhausting.
1: (laughs) Episode title. Yeah,
2: because yeah, everything is trippy and exhausting. (laughs) um yeah i I was like at dinner and i was just like looking around at everyone i was like wow everyone here has just lived through a pandemic
3: (laughs) (laughs) right and then then you could get really kind of dark right then you could be a little bit dark and you'd be like i wonder if they lost their job or like someone in their life and it's like Mm -hmm. whoa
1: like everyone did
3: this
4: everyone the whole Mm -hmm. world
1: i'm sure uh, maybe not everywhere but there was already such like sense of like Camaraderie, Like New Yorkers are nice to each other. I don't care what people from out. Like they are, but it's even mm-hmm. more now because this city was hit so hard. I think it, there is like a, a little bit more gentleness with each other than even before. Also mm-hmm. after watching in the Heights, I'm just in love with everybody. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, after the wedding, I was like, I know I don't have to get tested this week, but I, I, I just, I think I have, it's so weird. I just can't. I was like, I, it was so strange to be able to go and not get tested before and to come back and not be like, I need to quarantine until I have a negative result, even though I think I probably will anyway. But <laughs> what? Baby steps. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't. You don't <laughs> no, I probably You're won't fine. bother. Everyone was vaccinated at the wedding. Everybody was vaccinated. And, That's you know, great. I didn't get that close to that many people. Wasn't like it I outside? said, it was all outside. Yeah. Nothing was actually completely inside. Yeah yeah
2: me, me and sammy both did the same oh, hand well, yeah though.
1: we're like, you did like a, you're crazy yeah i know i know but isn't that amazing like i can't believe it i can't believe it
3: it's amazing and terrifying and right. it's not
1: like a pure blissful joy it's like a oh, fuck right exactly yeah. well that's good timing for today's headlines because this let's get ourselves out of this current moment i'm a little <laughs> tired of it and let's go back to 2017. <laughs> great even better even better 2017. so the news cycle, the news cycle this sort of end of last week and weekend has had real 2017 energy to it there's been headlines swirling about trump's justice department um his personal counsel sketchy subpoenas names that we uh, haven't heard for a while that are that are coming back to chat so what does it all mean? I know I was seeing all of these and it took me this morning sitting down with it to sort of figure out what this all means, what it's telling us about that period. And I think taken together, taken together, it gives us a lot of insight into how the Trump administration handled that early flurry of leaks in its administration. We remember as soon as Trump took office that we started seeing near daily scoops on potential corruption within his campaign, of course, and his budding administration. And now, years later, we have some more intel on some of the unprecedented steps they took to suppress embarrassing or implicating information. So let's start with the media. The Trump administration secretly seized records from journalists at the New York Times, CNN, and the Washington Post. They did this to investigate a leak. Basically, everything we're going to talk about is what I think is their paranoia about leaks, as well as their ability to use that to sort of claim things could have been classified to actually get the records that they just want in order to hurt their enemies. So they were able to get these records from the media to investigate said leaks to figure out who was sharing White House information, including some classified with these reporters. So why do we know this now? It's because in this case with the media, it's because the Biden Justice Department chose to disclose it to the publications. I guess Merrick Garland got in there and was going through the papers and they were like, oh, shit, I'm curious whose job it was to, like, make this phone call to just call CNN and be like, I got to tell you something. I hope you Uh weren't weird in your emails. (laughs) Oh my God. I totally would. I'm trying to imagine myself making that call. Like I could not convey the information calmly. Like (laughs) like, did they have to draw straws? Like I truly (laughs) feel bad for that person that had to make that phone call. But I actually, to be clear, based on my understanding of all of this, none of the records include the content of like emails and phone calls. I mean, journalists mm. are was recording their phone calls. So I guess you could obtain that, even though in some cases the Trump administration did try to obtain this, but it was mostly like metadata, like lists of who people were emailing, who they were calling and when. And you can obviously derive a ton of information from that. That's why yeah. they tried so hard to get it.
2: I would feel flattered and feel very important if I got that call. <laughs> and they were like, the <gasps> tapped, it was like, oh wow, I'm important. Like I'm a little hurt that we weren't
1: targeted. I know. I know. I was disappointed to see that when because we'll talk about (laughs) Eric Swalwell that when they took his records was long before he was a friend of he was a friend of sub. (laughs) Oh, damn. I know. I know. So specifically what they were looking for from New York Times journalists was an investigation into James Comey and whether or not he had leaked classified information. But it's likely allowed the administration insight into like all avenues journalists were investing at the time. Like I said, you get a list. So if you see you're asking to, you know, on this day, maybe they talked to Comey. So give us the list of who they talked to that day. Of course, you could probably track down lots of other leads that those journalists were pursuing. So it's not entirely uncommon for administrations led by all parties to use their Justice Department to hunt down and prosecute leaks. There's fine case to be made that leaks are damaging, even though there are a lot of people that feel strongly that there should be even more transparency. I would say that that's something that like Democratic presidents are not great about with their DOJs either. Like All justice departments could probably use more transparency. But the Obama administration tried to make it easier for publications to fight court orders, but those protections were loosened under Trump's and investigation into leaks more than tripled in his first year in office. So not surprising, but when you when you hear that they were looking at these journalists' emails during the time that they were reporting on really serious stuff, it's it's pretty intense.
3: Well, it's also like Trump wanted to find the leakers because they were leaking about the investigation into him yeah. and mm-hmm. his potential collusion, haven't used that word in a few months, with Russia. And also, I bet the Trump administration was happy that they had the excuse to look into leaks because does it seem like he really is someone who wouldn't want to have complete tabs on like anyone he could totally like, I feel like he was like, Oh great. We can use this like potential leak thing to just monitor everybody who Mm -hmm. we want to monitor. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think he just says a bunch of shit and people just do it. And he just, like, makes sure they do it. And he's probably like, you know what I mean? Like, he just has always done whatever, literally what he wanted for his whole life. So he's just like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, Donald Trump didn't (laughs) arrive. Like,
1: I want to make sure to preserve the integrity of the Justice Department. Like, he was like, leaks sound like a way that we can do this under some guise of legitimacy. Yeah, he's like, this is my Justice Department. You're all my lawyers now. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So those hunt for leaks did not stop with the media. Prosecutors also subpoenaed Apple for data from the accounts of at least two Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, who we remember were definitely foes of Trump. They also pursued records of aides and family members, including at least one minor, So members of the House Intelligence Committee obviously have access to the nation's security secrets. And a minor's data was obtained because the Trump Justice Department thought maybe the congressmen were sharing the nation's secrets on their children's phones. I'm going to assume this isn't Swalwell's kids because they're tiny. It's just like on their like iPads, (laughs) doing it through like games for for toddlers. However, Adam Schiff's kids are a little older. Yeah. Do you know Swalwell's having another one? Oh, Yeah, they're having a third. Yeah, congrats, Brittany. We'll have to send them some some onesies. Definitely. Yes. Um, We'll wait a little while, though. I'm sure they're feeling like they want to have some privacy after this. Again, the subjects of these investigations were just made aware of them after a gag order on Apple expired. These investigations were led by Jeff Sessions. And this time they were specifically looking for sources behind news media reports about contacts between Trump associates and Russia. So what happened here? Prosecutors found no evidence of leaks on behalf of Schiff or Swalwell, obviously. Even Trump's own prosecutors felt this was a dead end and considered closing the inquiry when Sessions was there. But then Bill Barr arrived, and he basically revived these investigations and brought his allies in to lead them. He brought in a prosecutor from New Jersey who was focused on gang and healthcare fraud investigations. I didn't know how those are related. I didn't know you could specialize in both, but maybe. I mean, insurance health, health insurance companies do seem like gangs. they just they just wanted someone who was available willing Mm -hmm. i read that i was like you know what that probably was announced on a day because that's crazy but that probably broke on a day where there were uh, 10 other insane things happening so here we are four years later where i'm like they brought in a gang a gang prosecutor (laughs) to look into adam schiff and eric swalwell (laughs) like oh little
3: adam shit real threatening Maybe he was the type of gang prosecutor who's like, for the take, you know, like the guy in Sopranos right. who would meet Tony near like, <laughs> the right. junkyard,
4: mm-hmm. right.
3: exactly. Could be in like that realm.
1: Yeah. So even the this- members of the justice department. Bill Barr's Justice Department felt it was a dead end and they even felt like it was politically motivated and that this was just personal to Donald Trump because it's basically unheard of to subpoena records from members of Congress and staff outside of a straight up corruption investigation. So to even consider pursuing a case after there's nothing there is crazy. Bill Barr apparently did tell Trump there was no case to be made against James Comey, uh, which apparently made Trump furious and subsequent investigations mm-hmm. into Comey remained open.
4: But beyond that, too. Since I started using Pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this Pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in depth consultation to their made to order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Prose isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. A gifting moment is always just around the corner. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now.
1: Lastly here the last headline on this is that not even Trump's own lawyers were spared from subpoenas. So this one we have fewer details about but it's just even crazier. In 2018 the Trump administration subpoenaed records again from Apple. Everybody's got everybody's an iPhone user here. Mm-hmm. For its own White House <laughs> it's a counsel ad for Apple. Really, <laughs> <laughs> it really really is you just go to Apple and it's like can we have the records and it's like sure here you yeah. go. Right. that's so funny so mcgann was also top counsel for trump's 2016 campaign we don't know what this involved but it could like literally be anything uh we know that mcgann was the one that um i think mcgann was instructed to fire Mueller and said no i'll i'll leave before i do that and so mcgann had his hands in all of this so it could be any number of things so how does this feel is this nostalgic it's so obvious like yeah Like, we knew this, like, we knew this was
3: happening. It just wasn't documented or confirmed. Um, And McGann, like, it's really crazy, like, why someone like that wouldn't just have turned on him so much earlier. It is true. Yeah.
2: Well, he didn't know until a month ago.
3: (laughs) Maybe you don't technically know. But, like, you know. You know that he would have done it
2: yeah I just think it's so um hilarious that he was furious that he they couldn't fi- that, that that James Comey didn't leak anything or that they like that they weren't <laughs> right. finding it's like why are you mad about it like he like wanted he wanted them right, to be totally. leaking stuff
1: exactly because like Sammy said like that's the only avenue they had to actually keep them quiet or suppress what other things that they could say or find out what they were doing was through leaks so without that if he actually had been leaking
3: things, like, I swear there would have been a guillotine, like, brought out. Like, <laughs> like I don't, you know what I mean? Like, totally. this is what he'll do for people who are, like, so upstanding that they make, like, a ridiculous press conference to try to, like, level the playing field. If, like, the, if if that's what Trump does to these types of people, imagine right. if someone actually was doing the things that he
1: yeah, was accusing them of. That's why it's always just so stunning how loyal they are to, to him. Like he is, Trump is, as we know, raising money for Republicans to challenge sitting members of Congress who yeah. who kept him in office that whole time. Mm-hmm. There's no loyalty yeah. whatsoever. It, yeah, it also, it, it,
2: yeah, and it's like it, he is just so paranoid the entire time. Yeah, he was like it, like so paranoid that everyone was out to get him all the time. He, like what a state to live in. <laughs>
1: Yeah, paranoid president is a dangerous president for
2: sure. Yes, and it's it, you know I think it's it's a good reminder of how like how like you know he treated the Justice Department as his own personal personal law firm.
3: Yeah, what's annoying is that we have to talk about this. I know, <laughs> like yeah. it. Well, okay. So explain why we do have to talk about it because I agree. Okay, mm-hmm. we have to talk about this because trump was a failed of course he failed at this too he was a (laughs) failed authoritarian authoritarians can fail and then they can succeed later so Mm -hmm. any any sort of like evidence where you see that he completely violated like the norms or the use of an institution that needs to be widely known but mm-hmm. then it's sort of like, okay, well, there's, like, all those crazy people who are going to vote for him anyway, so... I know, right. Whatever. But I do think there is... Of course there's importance in putting things on the historical record. Regardless of whether, like, Trump becomes a successful authoritarian ever, this needs to be documented and known about that this is what he did so that mm-hmm. in whatever in the future, it can be judged
1: accurately. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean maybe oh. next time Don McGahn won't be his lawyer, so he'll be a little bit less powerful. I'm all for his He'll probably learning. be someone worse. Mm-hmm.
2: That's
3: that's an excellent point. That's yeah. the thing, it's like Don McGahn was like the reason he was spying on him was because Trump obviously got a read that he wasn't gonna just like do whatever he said, and that was four years
1: ago now. Without Don so, McGahn, Trump had his second impeachment lawyers who we remember were trash. Mm-hmm. Pride. I forgot about One of them cried. <laughs> those
3: were, oh, oh my yeah. God, those were so bad. They were so um, bad. But yeah, like that was four years ago. So if someone like Don McGahn can't like survive in that climate.
2: Yeah. It's also, you know, think about Bill Barr. He was attorney general ye- years ago. And had there been like, we have to also like widen the scope of the people who Trump worked with to remember mm-hmm. them too. Yes. And also be like, Ten years from now, whatever, whenever, I don't know. I mean, Bill Barr and Jeff Sessions are both so old, so I really don't. I don't foresee ten years in their futures. But one other <laughs> awful person, you know what I mean? We'd be like, oh wait, worse. no, that's the worse guy. than Bill Barr.
3: Bill Barr yeah. knew after the insurrection to like get out of dodge. Like he knew this is the time to like step down. I don't want to be part of this. I don't want my name on it. Bill yeah. Barr is like at least smart enough to like play the fence there. Same with Mitch McConnell with his, like, the president's horrible speech, but then voting to keep him. Mm-hmm. Like, they, th- there are some people who at least know that they have to present some, some faithfulness to the institutions. But now the people who, if there's a future Trump run, the people who are going to be involved with him, he would never pick Bill Barr again. He would never no. pick... Like Don McGann, he's going oh, for right. like yeah. My Pillow Man, like
2: yeah. Sydney
3: Powell, yeah. My Pillow Man,
2: Rudy. Mm-hmm.
1: Like yeah, there is no be kooks
2: one in crackpots.
1: Yes, kooks. And they'll, ma- and they'll still have <laughs> the support of the people. Like, as we see, like, you're listing people like Bill Barr and Domigan, who I think are slightly less politically motivated and more like to be like, well, fuck that guy. I'm not helping him again because mm-hmm. they're not Mitch McConnell. They're not people that, like, need him to win elections. But you're right. He'll still go to the next kookiest. And, like, the effectiveness, what Trump wants is to rally up his base. So the effectiveness right. of his legal counsel does not Doesn't really matter. matter. Right. Like, it's never really matter. It's never... Maybe he has, you know, I bet he's had good, I I bet Dom again was the best lawyer he had and now he's not going to have him anymore. Yeah. And you have to realize like we
3: traded people like Paul Ryan in for Marjorie Taylor Greene's. Yeah. So like, like those were the people enabling him first. Yeah. And now we have like Mm -hmm. a different level of human being. I'm, in that spot. well
2: i'm hoping that makes for like the most brutal republican primary ever but we have like <laughs> those like if like like hopefully there'll be like the, the, the two the factions will have to uh fight it out
1: well there's no more republicans that are normal so it's well true. that's why the tie the clock is ticking for us to pass hr1 because these districts are going to be redrawn very soon and then i mean the, the district that marjorie taylor green is in is not winnable for a Democrat by by design. And these people will keep getting squeezed their districts into echo chambers. And like we said, that's why like the effectiveness of Trump's legal counsel does not matter. He just needs to continue to rally his base. So as like, my instinct is to be happy that he is losing allies, but like the power of his allies have, has never really been, by the end, he still didn't, it's like, it's what got him into power but he didn't need it to get a bunch of people to like attack the Capitol. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me of that second impeachment lawyer. I'm gonna go watch some <laughs> there videos. There are some type of...
2: <laughs> I know.
3: Like I need to see him freaking out. That was so funny. It was like also upsetting. Vanderveen.
2: It, yeah. It's the worst public theater I've ever seen. No. Do, the do, worst you <laughs> public, <laughs> the,
1: do you remember the one for Democrats who arrived and his instead of a briefcase? Oh no, he was for Republicans instead of a briefcase, he had a fresh direct bag. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. There were some moments that we really should revisit, like, outside of the haze and mania of just not knowing if it would ever end. You know what, anyone would be interested in that. Maybe we could do some, like, special
3: episodes. DM us. DM Amanda. DM the Us up. Preferably Amanda or me, because... or Like, one of us individually would be more likely to see it. If you are interested in, like going back, revisiting deep dives, doing any sort of like special investigations that like you'd be interested in, we will work on those. Definitely. Sounds
1: good.
0: So now we obviously have a different Justice
1: Department and people are a little bit disappointed by how they have handled some of these because they have played a role. I mean, the DOJ has played a role in basically giving Trump a hand in some of these respects and some of these lingering issues. So for one, the Department of Justice right now run by Merrick Garland, it's sought to extend some of these gag orders on investigations into Trump era leaks. So based on a lot of these Information it was obtained by either Apple or wherever they got it from the media companies. And then the Trump administration kept going to court asking for the daggers to be continued. So they didn't just one time want want the records. They wanted it to continue to be secret. And for some reason, the DOJ is continuing to advocate for that. It's also refusing to release certain memos kept private by Bill Barr. And on a slightly unrelated note, Merrick Garland's DOJ filed a brief defending Trump from a defamation lawsuit filed last year by E. Jean Carroll. She is, of course, the advice columnist who accused Trump of raping her during the 1990s. So the DOJ always tries to stay as consistent as possible from administration to administration. The point is not to sway wildly from side to side in order for the DOJ to maintain credibility across the court system. But as I'm seeing this, I'm asking myself, you know, when you had one administration expand the window of what was possible so, so much, when does consistency become complicity? Isn't this exactly what we didn't want Trump what what we said on this podcast a lot was that he's changing the norms. And if he moves, it's like Republicans have changed where the center is. And if you mm-hmm. insist on consistency when the Overton window has like expanded so much, I think you fall into some like unethical territory.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's so few people like Merrick Garland around anymore. But like James Comey would fit in this mm-hmm. in this category of people who are just like, Rules and norms above all. And when they're put in the position to be the one to decide whether they're going to be the one who like pushes it a little bit more actively in one direction or if they just sort of like do the most like basic nonpartisan passive thing, um, that's what they're going to choose. And I think I should have noted that
1: preserving presidential power or or letting the president have a lot of a lot of leeway in a lot of ways is, is, a, is a norm. It's a norm right. that Trump took exceedingly far, but it has always been a norm and one that clearly Garland is trying to negotiate now. Right. Just because Mitch McConnell wouldn't confirm Merrick Garland
3: as Supreme Court justice, wonder Obama, does not make him like this progressive activist mm-hmm. attorney yeah. who's like, actually, I think the rhetoric around the time was that Merrick Garland is so centrist that it was insane that that uh, Mitch McConnell wouldn't confirm him because
1: of how like centrist he was. Mm-hmm. So he's not gonna like. I don't right, we're talking he's... about a man that Obama thought would be acceptable to Mitch McConnell. So exactly, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. like progressive hero status, even though his background is is he's very accomplished and has done a lot of really cool things. Yeah, he's not like a the progressive caucus isn't like go get yeah. him, Eric. <laughs> right. <sighs> right.
2: Yeah. He, um, yeah. It, it was it's one of those things where he because of, it was Obama's thing and, and everyone hates Mitch McConnell. People are like excited. Also, he's a great name. Merrick Garland that just like I really know. rolls off the tongue sweetly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, tough. I know a lot of I mean what people were talking about this weekend was maybe charges. Charges anyone? Charges, <laughs> charges for anyone? There did seem was, like additional exploration to some of these things could give us more insight into that word we haven't heard for a while, obstruction. Did Trump obstruct the investigation by telling McGahn to fire Mueller? I mean, that's that's still I mean, that's the open question, right? That's been the open question from the Mueller investigation. What, Sammy, to close, what utility? Why do you think it's important we have an answer?
3: They're not just an answer. Consequences like there need to actually be consequences or they're going to keep doing it. They're going to still try to do it, even if there are consequences. But. At least if there is a consequence, you then have a legal precedent and somebody, if you happen to get the right person into a role where they're making a decision that will hopefully preserve democracy, they can then follow that norm of accountability. But there's literally no, there's nothing. There's like, nothing. It's literally right. just fine. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what's so upsetting because and why I actually am concerned. And I think that I don't know how, I don't understand how the country lasts as a democracy with the inputs we have now of like nothing happening. The only way it could happen is if we take, is if we actually flip the Senate, 50, mm-hmm. like 53 votes, fuck you, Joe Manchin and Kirsten yeah. Cinema. Like we actually need like 53, 54 senators. And then they need to start just passing things, the progressive mm-hmm. agenda, the green new deal infrastructure, uh, like the voting, all of these things, policing, everything.
2: DC statehood, the Senate isn't made up correctly. 50 people do not represent 50% of the country. And it's the Democrats who are losing out on that because of New York and California, especially. But they were saying that if this, you know, continues the way it is in 2040, it'll be 30% of the country will be represented by 70% of the Senate and vice versa. So it's only gonna get worse.
3: And then what does the country look like at that point? Because like the Supreme court has been conservative for so long. Like what
1: are the actual laws in that country? That's a country of minority rule, Mm -hmm. of complete minority rule. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've, yeah. DC (laughs) statehood is it's as we're sort of talking about ways to actually make this more of a democracy. It's like, I don't want to be inconsistent. And like, Give away that my main objective is to make our democracy more even, but it's like you end the filibuster for HR one or do DC statehood. Either one will have an impact, but we got to do one. Like mm-hmm. I, I right. don't know if now we start talking to maybe Joe Manchin will have to pay. Can can we can we like you know, make him not have to make statehood good for his houseboat taxes? I don't know. Can we do yes. something
3: right? If there is a DC state, you do not have to. pay Yeah, taxes but on I'm houseboat. interested
1: in seeing more activity around um well, DC statehood because it is another way to yeah add two senators and make the representation in this country a little bit more proportional to the policies people want to see.
3: Yeah, it's not like they're represented at all right now. So, right. you know, sometimes I just wonder if, like, the country is too physically large. I like, think about this all the time. Yeah, me, I think about this all the time. Other lately. countries, like, other successful countries are yeah. not this big. Right, like, it's it. there's too much landmass and too many distinct cultures and people within it. That it's kind of like irreconcilable. And I suppose this is our punishment, or not our, because none of us did this, but one's the colonizers. founder's punishment for taking all the land. Right. Like, I bet somebody, maybe yeah. you didn't need all of it.
1: You didn't need all of it. <laughs> right. And now you're fucked. You and right, now your country's exactly. fucked because you took too much. Have fun with this. I bet somebody has written a very good book on that, and we will find oh. out who they are and have them on the show. Well, that <laughs> article I sent you last week, The Four oh, yeah. uh,
3: Americas, was so good. I've been thinking about that for uh, a week now. And that was in The Atlantic? Yeah, that was in The Atlantic. And it's more about, like, psychologically The Four Americas, but mm-hmm. also, like, that is affected by geography.
1: Yes, Absolutely. That is our show today. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage.
3: I'm
2: Brian Russell Smith.
1: And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches SUP Podcast is
3: produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Batches.